And welcome back, everybody, to the Carbide Podcast, presented by Woody's Traction. Thanks, you guys, again, for tuning in. This is the Canterbury Snowcross Recap. Join us on the line, as always, from Team Southside and Bruce Almighty Media. He's Bruce Gaspardi Jr. What's happening, Bruce? How's it going, Spence? I'm good, man. I'm fantastic. I was on location at Canterbury on Friday. I was freezing my nuts off, but I was there. But I was at home on Saturday. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I'm I'm back over in Sweden now. So I was I was in the comfort of my own home, trying to stay warm and you know staying up till two, three in the morning to try to watch it live. That's the dedication we have, people, for for Snowcross. You'll find you might find maybe one or two people more dedicated, but you'll be hard pressed more dedicated than Bruce Gaspardi Jr. So love to see it. <laughs> So let's get into it, Bruce. And I'm I'm sick of this narrative, but I have to bring it up. It was not, we were not sure what snow conditions were going to look like for Canterbury. Every other Midwest racing series was pushing races back. There's not enough snow. There's not enough ice. Call me a doubter. I didn't think it was going to happen. But just like Canterbury always does, it gets really cold. The week of, they made a bunch of snow, and we had a tractor race on. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You know, friends over here were asking me what Canterbury is like. I'm like, it's always cold. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the track will vary and changes depending on how much snow they have, but it is always cold. And so, I mean, in that aspect, it did not disappoint. It was cold. It was cold, and it was definitely the snow conditions in terms of, of visibility are just always super gnarly. They get better towards the evening as the wind dies down, but in the in the heat of the day, oh, my God, is it is it brutal out there. Yeah, the snow dust was bad. I mean, even in the even in the Pro Triple Crowns, you could see it. You know, and Elias even talked about it in his post race interview. I think Friday night about how he started getting a little lap traffic, and he started you know checking up and just focusing on himself because of how bad the visibility was once he got into the traffic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it was made for some good racing on our end, but I don't uh, I don't envy the riders at this point in time, but. Uh... So yeah, let's uh, let's get into it with the sport class, and I think we we chat about it quite a bit. Uh, we'll focus on Friday night, and then we'll go through Saturday. But in terms of the sport class, we talk about it quite a bit. Where there's a couple guys that are really starting to separate themselves, but in a lot of ways, there's some quite a bit of inconsistency. There's a lot of variability in the sport class, and I think we I think we saw that again for Friday night, at least for Canterbury. Yeah, yeah, we did. I mean, it was um, you know the. It was, it was quite the melee. I mean, you had, you had a lot of guys changing positions, you know, um, Freeland, you know, had the lead, lost the lead, got the lead back. It, um, you know, the track was, was gnarly. You know, we, we Mm -hmm. talked about it before the show about, you know, staying on the sled would guarantee you a good finish, but staying on the sled was not a guarantee. Yep. And, you know, we definitely saw that. Yeah, one of the guys that really kind of stood out to me, at least for for Friday night, was Kellen Chaperin. Just, you know, he, he wins the heat race. He's coming out strong. Obviously, he, he had a pretty significant off in the uh, in the final, but definitely showing that the speed was there. And and yeah, I was I was really impressed with him. So I'm looking forward to see what he can what he can put together as long as he stays on the sled. Yeah, I mean, he he did. He had a good day and up until the off, but I mean, he had the fastest lap of the night in the final even with it. Um, and then the, you know, the, you know, the wind differential between Freeland and Cole, that was, it was tight, really tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, definitely made for a pretty eventful uh, main event, at least for Friday night. So obviously we got Freeland, Cam Cole takes second and then Dominic Hegman uh, gets the, gets the podium spot. And he had a heat race in there too, which was good to see. So I know you have some, I know you're, you you try not to be biased, Bruce, but I know you enjoy seeing Polaris guys up on the podium because it's a it's a rarity these days. It seems. Yeah, I mean, and it's not from a lack of talent. It's just it seems like from a lack of um, lack of sleds, a lack of Polarises. <laughs> you know, it's like um, I feel like we're the Spartans out there, and you know, he's got that like really, really, really hardy few. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, no, it was, it's nice to see, nice to see a couple of players on the box there Friday night for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
so yeah uh friday night sport we'll wrap that up really really good stuff love to see it those guys have a lot of talent in that class so it's going to be interesting to see for the rest of the year once the once the tracks get a little more normal and we start to see the spread of the top top guys gonna be really interesting so uh moving into a, to pro light for friday night i don't want to say Craden dylan just doing Craden dylan things but that's kind of how it ends up being uh as of late but you know looking into some of the some of the heat races obviously Craden got a win adam ashline showing a lot of speed even showed a lot of speed in uh in ironwood but really kind of carrying that into canterbury as well um Toby Posty and Nick Lorenz, some great battles as well. And um, Emmerich Lejeune showing a lot of speed. So, I mean, we've talked about it already, Bruce, but I think pro light is still just the, just the class to watch just in how many guys could win at any given time. And you can't, you can't bank on any of it. Yeah, no, I mean, the, the depth of the field is incredible in the pro light class this season. You know, we uh, talked about before the show, you know, when you look at the list of names that finished in the, they even made the final and it's like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's, you know, 13 of those guys could have, could be on the box any given night. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's incredible. You know, we have not had that. I feel like in a long time and it is really cool to see, you know, I mean, Dylan definitely seems to be in a class of his own right now, but <clears throat> behind him, it's a crapshoot for two through 12 of mm-hmm. who's going to finish where and that it is it's super exciting yeah a couple a couple additional call outs just as, in terms of the heat races obviously adam ashline got a heat race win on friday night nick lorenz passing creighton dylan in uh, one of his heat races which was really cool to see um love to see him getting kind of back to his stride um archambault took took the win in the lcq he's definitely showing some speed um I'm interested to see as he kind of gains throughout the season what he's able to put together in the pro light class. But in the uh, in the final, just just wild to watch. Um, you know, Posty had an issue, kind of got pushed off in that that first corner. Ashline was on rails, pretty much leading for the first couple laps until he had sled issues, which was really disappointing. Emmerich Lejeune ended up wrecking at one point in time, and just again, if you looked at what was happening off the line. And then you looked at what was happening like two or three laps later, you wouldn't believe it if you didn't see it. Like you, it was, my eyes were glued to the track, at least for the first couple laps on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, the, um, the final was, it was super fun to watch. My God. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, you know, he had, you know, he had fast guys like Ashline and Emmerich with some bad luck. Posty with some bad luck, but you know, Posty still scored top 10. Mm-hmm. Lorenz, the top five. Dylan Rose, right up there from, mm-hmm. from out in New York way. So, you know, it was it was a really it was an exciting race from flag to flag. Well, from light to flag. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was some really good stuff to see. And you know, obviously Creighton Dylan just kind of ran away with it on that end. But Evan Christian running extremely well. Also, it was great to see Trent Whitware on the box. Obviously, just ex- extremely talented guy. Just been around the sport a long time has his moments for sure obviously it was great to see him back on the podium because um again just super competitive so anytime you can get on the podium in pro light right now i think you gotta hang your hat on that and just be really proud of whatever ride you put together yeah yeah because you needed a good start and you had to elbow a bunch of people out of your way because those guys are all really good guys really good riders and you know the the mix on the podium and how different it is each of these first three rounds shows you how competitive this class is going to be all season long, you know, and, and it was, it was great to see what we're on the box. He had the fastest lap of the night in the final. Um, great to see Evan Christian get on the box. It was, it was, yeah, it's going to be a really, really exciting season to see, you know, if, if two or three of these guys can break away from the other, you know, 10 and separate themselves into an, mm-hmm. uh, into their own tier or not, or if it's just going to be this melee every weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll get into it a little bit later for Saturday and pro light, but just, yeah, that nothing, nothing seems to be guaranteed. So I'm, I'm very interested to see over the next couple of rounds. If, if we kind of get like a tier one, tier two, tier three guys, or if it's still just kind of wide open, like you said. So, um, 
yeah, let's get into let's get into pro. So this is a uh, first triple crown of the year. And what's your take on the triple crowns, Bruce? Both as a fan, but also as a guy who runs a race team. What are your thoughts on them? As a fan, I think it's fantastic. You know, you get to see essentially three finals with all the fastest pro guys out there. So as far as the amount of track time you get to see um, those guys out there, it, it maximizes that. So mm -hmm. from that side of it, I think it's awesome. Uh, from a team manager standpoint, you know, if you have a, if you have a, if you have a tough, if you, you know, if you break something in the first or second one, depending on what you broke, it could be definitely a big time crunch to get that sled ready for the, the next one or two rounds of the triple crown. Um, and with the, with the format and how they're all equally important, it's not like, well, you know, we don't get the sled ready for the second round. We'll, we'll just hop into the LCQ or whatever. It's nope. It, it needs to be ready. We need to be out there. So, and you know, obviously the triple crown format races are longer than just a regular heat. So the guys got to keep themselves, um, they need to, they need to remember that there's still two more finals basically mm -hmm. at after this one. So it's, you know, from a rider standpoint, it changes the way you need to think when you're out there. It, it can't just be, you know, cause you win the first one. Great. But if you got nothing left in the tank for the second or third one, or you, or the sled has nothing left, it's a mm -hmm. problem. So, uh, but from a fan standpoint, no, it's, it's awesome. To, it's awesome for sure. Yeah. And you can definitely see that. And it's, it's always interesting that those guys that are, especially coming from Ironwood in the dominator where it's basically just, just balls speed for two laps compared to, you know, this is probably the longest kind of spread of effort that we have throughout the series is in a triple crown event. So you can definitely see the guys who are more just like one lap wonders versus the guys who really like a slow burn and are really kind of gaining throughout the night. And we definitely saw that there was guys that were getting progressively faster as the rounds were kind of going through. And, you know, we didn't touch on this, but I think it's a good call out as well. Just, you know, on a, on an average night when we have heat races, LCQ and Maine, there's some guys that get faster as the night goes on through those heat races and LCQs and stuff like that. And then they're prepped for the final if a first race in a triple crown is like their first actual time on the track, aside from practice, you still see it. There's still guys that have poor firsts and then they get better in the second and they get better in the third. And yeah, I just personally, I like triple crowns. I like them a lot. I would hate to be a team owner. I'd hate to be a rider, but as a fan, I'm, I'm a big fan. I like them. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, hopefully the, the pro class grows in the future and then well, then what do you do do you yep. put 20 on the line like you have been for some of the other classes do you send five home after qualifying what do you do but mm -hmm. let's cross that bridge mm -hmm. when we get there <laughs> so at least for the for the first round on friday elias just kind of runs away with it it's not a super eventful uh main at least for the first one Emilhar ends up getting pushed off the track on three separate occasions, which was kind of entertaining and interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, entertaining for what, us, for him not it, so much. For him, definitely not, definitely not. But uh, I mean, Elias is always super fast. But he, you know, with the track being as short as it was, I think it was like twenty-three or twenty-four second lap times, depending on the guys. And if you're doing like a ten a ten minute race, he got into lappers pretty quickly. And and with the snow dust and the sugary snow and those conditions, it it definitely made for some gnarly racing, but in that first one, Elias definitely kind of, kind of had it under control for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. He got out and he got away and yeah, I definitely didn't, didn't feel a whole lot of pressure for the most part of that, for, of that first triple crown. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I think the, uh, moving into the second one, I think there was a lot of action in that one. Um, just kind of showing us more what triple crowns can potentially bring to the table. So Hunter Patnode gets off to a really, really good start and then ultimately goes down on that back section right before the rhythm and ends up being injured for, for the rest of the night, which was really unfortunate. But um, Cody Cam gets out front, kind of first real time. We've seen that for this year, which was really great to see. And uh, Francis Pelletier running extremely well. And we're 
his name's going to come up quite a bit for the rest of this show because he wrote extremely well this weekend. But uh, Peltier and, and Elias, some really good battles in that uh, in that second race, Bruce. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, clean for the most part. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there was definitely opportunities for both of them to kind of clean each other out and put an end to it, and they didn't. They mm-hmm. they kept it clean, and it was it was really fun to watch those two go back and forth over and over again. For sure, for sure. Another guy in uh, in this race that was riding extremely fast, Oscar Norum. Uh, didn't really hear a ton about him from uh, Ironwood, and obviously he's coming off and he's coming off an injury last season. It's a new team for him, still Polaris. So Ironwood was largely just kind of getting back on the sled, figuring some things out. But passing up to second in that uh, second round and getting second in that race overall, that was really, really good to see Oscar Norum showing us what we know Oscar Norum can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he got out got out pretty deep in the field and then slowly and methodically kind of made his way up through over the course of the race. It was uh, really great to see him up on the box. It was it was weird to see Elias go backwards. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't mm-hmm. usually see, I mean, sometimes, okay, once in a while, yeah, you see Elias get passed by a, a person, but to see yeah. him get passed over and over again and fall back to fourth, it was a really, it was like he was overdriving the sled. You know, mm-hmm. that backstretch was getting gnarly and it was almost like you needed to just like, just slow down a little bit and, and finesse your way through it instead of trying to just pound your way through as fast as humanly possible. And it just seemed to keep upsetting him in the sled and it, it allowed Norm to catch up. It allowed Peltier to get by. It was, you know, he, he seemed frustrated out there. It was, it's not something you usually see from Elias. Yeah. That back section. And I mean, we didn't have a lot of snow. The track was pretty basic. So obviously that back rhythm section was the only real major feature in the track but that was the make or break section for everybody. Like there were some guys as the track would deteriorate and the inside was going to be faster. Cause basically all the rhythm was just completely down to flat, but right off the, right off the bat, the first couple laps, the outside, if you could triple in, that was going to be faster. So you could definitely see like, as the race was going on, like what guys were venturing off and trying other lines and what guys were super fast in that back rhythm. Cause if you couldn't put that back rhythm together, it was going to be a long night for you. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was really fun to watch how different, you know, the inside line to the outside line was and how much they changed over the course of the eight and a half minute triple crown race, just how beat they got. And and the guys moving from inside to outside or outside to inside, trying to find that, that line that worked for them. It was. It was really a lot of really exciting racing. So moving into the uh, the third race in the Triple Crown. So initially, Ogamar gets a whole shot, which was super cool to see. First real kind of coming out party for him. Obviously, he had a he didn't really have a ton of time on the sled for Ironwood, so it was good to see him out there. Ishul gets past him, but then we get a red flag. And when they showed the replay, I didn't even notice it at the time. But like two or three guys creeped and then almost the entire field jumped on the start. So uh, I don't know. Did, did you see who it was? Did you catch it? Because I didn't truly get to see it. Yeah, I mean, to me, it looked like it looked like Salston and one of the, the Judnick sleds were the two sleds that kind of were the first two to make a move at all. Mm-hmm. There was a, one of the one of the red sleds all the way on the inside creeped the same time Salston did. Um, so, you know, Salston got the blame, but I think that's because everybody was just talking about only him. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was a bummer for Ogmar, but he followed it up with another really good start. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it wasn't a fluke. He did, he goes out there and does it again. So that, yeah, that one, three motorsports led those guys, uh, De Silva and those guys back and, uh, Dalton Tatro, they got the they got that sled moving, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, he was he was really impressive, and his name will come up probably a couple more times as well. But uh, really good to see him out there, and and yeah, just kind of that that second run for the for the third race. Obviously, Ishul just kind of gets out ahead eventually, and then just kind of uh, normally we'd probably see him never get touched again. 
but Francis Peltier was on another level this entire weekend, but I feel like a lot of it started in this race where when he finally got into that second position, I can't remember how many seconds it was like five or six or something like that, but every lap he was, he was running faster lap times than Elias. So he was slowly chipping away. And I think by the time they got the checkered flag, he was probably like three or four sled lengths behind Elias, like a cup, another couple more laps and he might've been right on his bumper. So Francis Pelletier was running extremely well. Yeah, like, I think it was, like, six of the last, like, I think it was actually, like, nine of the last 11 laps of that race. Like, the whole second half of that race, he was chipping away at that, just Mm -hmm. half second, second at a time, all the way through it was. It was really impressive to see him, him chipping away at that, like he did that consistency, lap after lap, reeling him back in. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he had an incredible run on on Saturday as well. But, uh, yeah, I feel like it just kind of started here. So it's super impressive. So um, for for Friday night, uh, overall final in Triple Crown, Elias Ischul first, Francis Pelletier second, and then Oscar Norum third, which was was really cool because, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit. He uh, had a bit of a bit of a rebound through the, through the second round, getting up there in second. But, um, yeah, just the Triple Crown, just showing that, and again, we talked about this, but not a ton of consistency in terms of who was like a top guy outside of Elias. Guys were all over the place and finishes through the triple crowns and just the the overall final just showing that it really can be anybody. Like it really can be anybody that ends up on the podium in these. Yeah, I mean, Norum, you know, the Friday night, I mean, he had, what do you have? I think he had 15 points and it, it puts him on the box. You know, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of different scores and finishes that beat 15 points very easily. So it just mm-hmm. shows you how how the entire field had such an up and down evening, where it just seemed you know, I mean it makes you know Elias and Peltier look that much better because they put it together every single round mm-hmm. of the Triple Crown that night, but. <clears throat> The rest of the field, it was like a rotating door for, for you know, third through seventh or so of who it was going to be this time around. So, for, you know, that was really exciting to see, you know, how just how close and condensed the field was and how, how, just how good everybody looked out there for the most part. Yeah, just looking back at these scores. So, Norum, 6-2 and, yeah, 6-2-7. <laughs> that that gets you on the podium in, in for Friday night. It's just it's insane. Like you again, like we talked about, just you can't count on anything. Like these guys are just all over the place. So it uh definitely made for some entertaining racing for sure. And if you were trying to calculate the points during the race, good luck. Cause it was just gonna be all over the place. Well, well, I mean, part of that, you know, <clears throat> Speed Hive was drunk, it seemed like most of the weekend. <laughs> I was yeah. I was frustrated more than once looking at the TV. Like, what is going on? Like, where are my riders? I see them on the screen. They're not on the scoreboard at all. Like, showing riders laps down. It's like, oh, I was totally confused. I mean, and, you know, at least I wasn't the only one because Malinowski and and <laughs> and Paul were confused up in the announcers box too. So that made me feel a little bit better about myself, I guess. But yeah, wow. It was, yeah, it was definitely tough to do the math. Yeah. There's probably half the field that if you were just watching timing and scoring, half the field was probably five or six laps down at one point in time. And you'd only be like two laps into the race. So (laughs) not sure how that happened, but you know, it is what it is. (laughs) Oh man. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, we can move on from, from Friday night in pro, but just, I mean, we touched on Francis Pelletier extremely fast, obviously issue just doing what he does, but any other uh, major takeaways from Friday night in the pro class? No, I mean, just, you know, I think uh, it was, it was nice to definitely see Peltier and Cam before he got dinged and Har be able to battle and challenge with Elias. Um, you know, it, you know, didn't, you know, after what we saw in Ironwood, we kind of thought it would be a fluke just because of the way that track was and the weather and everything. 
mm-hmm. as far as him running away with it. So, you know, hopefully, you know, this, we see more of this where it's just a really good battle every time they get out there together and you, you don't know who's going to win it until the end. Um, but the uh, consistency of Elias and Peltier Friday night was definitely something to keep an eye on. So let's move into uh, into pro women and really just uh, just the usual suspects as we've kind of grown to expect in the in the pro women class. So uh, you know, Maline kind of kind of runs away with it in the in the final. Um, I think she ended up lapping up through fourth or fifth place. Um, she could. <laughs> She could probably see uh, Tasha Lang and Ayanna Hogger in her sights at one point in time. So, um, but uh, yeah, really good uh, run for Ayanna Hogger as well. Just like running up to the finish line right alongside uh, Tasha Lang, which was really cool to see. Those two very equal level of of speed and talent. So I think watching those two battle is is probably the highlight of the pro women class right now for sure. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh... You know, when you look at when you look at all their battles together and, you know, and then Friday night, you know, their their best laps were like six one hundredths of a second apart or something like that. They finished the race less than two tenths apart. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible that after like a basically a seven minute race, the two of them battling through lap traffic, this, that mm-hmm. they're separated by just over a tenth of a second. So that's. That is that it's a, it's a lot of fun to watch those two go at it for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I got a bit of a bit of a rant about the pro women class, Bruce. I'll, I'll hold it till after I make after we do our uh, Saturday recap of them. But um, don't don't right. let me forget. But, I'll, I'll uh, try. <laughs> so, moving into Saturday in the uh, in the sport class, so some really good action in sport on Saturday as well. Cam Cole is out there with a with a heat race win. Brandon Nelson, we'll talk about him as well. He had a really solid Saturday in the sport class, and um, at least for for one of the heat races, he act. I don't want to say he lucked into it because he put himself in the right place at the right time. But uh, Brady Freeland and Nate Lavalley were battling it out. Those guys looked like they were gonna battle it out for the win. They get into each other on the corner before the finish line, and Brandon Nelson just cruises on through to a to a heat race win. So. A lot of action in the sport class for sure. Yeah, I mean there always is, you know, and um, you know a lot of uh, you know we talked about it a little bit before the show. A lot of yellow in that class, it seems like, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that kind of that's what kind of showed out to me Saturday night was you know the top top seven were yellow, mm-hmm. um, with and then you know Labelle picking up the win. Definitely something up in the water, you know. Up where, up where those guys are at, man. Um, <laughs> the dad was fast. All three kids are fast. It's like, man. Um, oh, you, you probably, uh, you probably raced against Jonathan at one point in time, then too, for SCM stuff, didn't you? I might have. You know, mm. it. Uh, that would have been a while ago. And I'm not saying I'm getting <laughs> old, but I don't necessarily remember. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I definitely raced, raced those guys a bunch at, you know, up in, you know, Maribel or, or Valcor or whatnot. So um, definitely could have raced against his dad, but definitely, definitely was there at the same time he was. Definitely remember seeing, seeing them. And I remember seeing, seeing um, them come up, you know, seeing Jordan come up through, you know, junior novice, lower junior, upper junior sport. I remember being at Valcor and he, he was, you know, because it was Valcor and Skidu and they just they'd let, you know, them do whatever they want. So I, I think I think Jordan LaBelle was running like three different divisions and winning all of them. It was like, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> uh yeah, it's a that's a that's a fast family, no doubt. So it is. Yep. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, Dylan LaBelle getting the win that night, Kellen Chaperin, again, we talked about him for Friday night, but, uh, running super fast gets P2 and then Brandon Nelson again, uh, P3 there for, for the final. So yeah, Brandon Nelson, really, really solid weekend in the sport class. I was really impressed with that. Yeah, it was nice to, um, nice to see Jan Evan Ramsdahl from Norway score a seventh on Saturday night too. You know, he's been 
that sport class is a tough class. So it was, it was nice to see him. Nice to see him go out there and be competitive and get in the mix with those guys because they're all fast guys. Attention snowmobile racers. When it comes to dominating the track, trust the experts at Woody's Traction and Control. Their cutting-edge products are engineered for peak performance, providing unmatched grip and control in every turn. Don't let the competition catch up. Upgrade your sled with Woody's Traction and Control products today. Visit www.woodystraction.com and experience the winning difference. Woody's Traction and Control, where precision meets victory on the snow. So... I'm jumping around in order, but this is just the order I took my notes in. But we're going to get right back into pro women because I just have no structure to my podcast. You, you just want to get to the rant. <laughs> I, it's it, it's going to be a hot take, I think. But, uh, yeah, so uh, pro women uh, for heat heat races at least. Tasha Lang gets a win. Ava McCurdy gets a second in, in uh, her first heat race, which was good. Inanna Hauger just getting whole shots and doing what she does. However, obviously has a, a really big off in that first double right off the start in her heat race, which was really pretty scary. So good to see her, you know, at least walk away from that. I wasn't sure if she was going to line up at all, but, uh, you know, we'll get to that in the final. But uh, Ava McCurdy gets a heat race win. Really cool to see that. She's been on rails this year, so great to see that. But uh, yeah, getting into the getting into the final for pro women, just kind of—I don't want to say just what we expect, but that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at with with pro women. I I love to see, I love to see the diversity, but I usually know who the top three are. I just don't know the order it's going to be in. Yeah, I mean it's um, you know we had the had the big wreck in the in the start of the final that I think collect, collected my rider Cecily. Um, she had a nice fifth place Friday night and then gets, gets collected and ends up upside down with a hard off there on the first turn with, I think it was Ava McCurdy and Jenny's Brown. I think, well, it's a cloud of white and I was 4,000 miles away. I just saw that it was, I just saw my girl going ass over tea kettle. Yeah. And there's um, a lot of skidoos, right, Bruce? So you can't tell who's who. <laughs> <laughs> Got choice words for you. Um, <laughs> So I, I was really happy to see Cecily get up and be okay because it, it was definitely a scare. That was, you know, Ivana's wreck early in the day was scary. And then for me, that was really scary to see Cecily. So I was really excited to see all of them get up and continue. Um, but no, I know what you mean. You know, you know, we, we I feel like, you know, that first, second, third, we kind of know, you know if it's a clean start, we kind of know who it's going to be. We just don't necessarily know the order. So I, I understand what you mean, you know, that from fourth through ninth can kind of be anybody, but that gap between third to fourth is a, is a, is a big step. It seems like right now currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's going to lead us into my, into my rant, my beef with the pro women class. And it has nothing to do with all the ladies in that class. Cause they all absolutely rip. I just think the we need like a sport women or we need like a pro light women because I think the the gap is pretty large and there's nothing these girls can do if they just are too old to race the junior class and there's nowhere for them to go even if they don't necessarily have the speed to run with that top three they have nowhere to go so I think these a lot of these girls would get so much faster if they were consistently battling for podiums against each other not necessarily just battling for eighth place in a pro women final so i hope that's not a hot take for anybody but i think we need a we need another another class in between that because these girls are too fast to just look like they're finishing eighth every weekend they need to be battling each other for podiums no i i guess i, I get what you mean you know obviously if you're a if you're a guy you got 14, 15, then you've got sport light, sport, pro light, pro, pro 30. So you've got, you got plenty of avenues where the ladies, they have basically, they've got girls nine to 13. And then once they age out of that, they're racing the likes of, you know, the world champion, Maylene Katu and some of the other fastest riders in the world, like Ivana Hogger and Tasha Lang. So that's a, that's a big step to take when you turn 14 or you enter the sport or you enter the sport for your first year, you know, you're coming off a dirt bike or whatever. And 
you're 15, 16, 17, and okay, well, I'm racing pro class this weekend. Um, that's a, it's a tall order for sure. So I, I understand what you mean. I guess on the flip side of things, if I'm looking at it, maybe from a series standpoint, you know, they want the pro women to be in the show in the evenings. They deserve to be there. It's, it's great to see. Uh, but from a viewer standpoint or a fan standpoint, if there's only, you know, seven or eight girls out there, it might, might make it look bad. Like, oh, there's only seven or eight girls in, in the sport. Well, no, there's only, you know, so uh, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, um, but I definitely see your point of, you know, aging out of the girls class or coming into the sport as a new girl and you're walking into the pro pro class. Then, so that's, that is, that's, a that's tough. Yeah. I just, I remember a couple years ago when Jordan LaBelle won his first pro light title and the argument around the, around the pits was he's too young to have to move up to pro just cause he's that good in pro light. He's still like 16 years old and they're going to say the exact same thing about Creighton Dillon at the end of this season is he's fast enough to race pro, but what's the reason to push him up? Why he's still just a young guy yet. When we have a 14 year old girl who has to race the pro class, it's just, yep, that's just the way it is. That's how we do it. It just, it really annoys me that. Yeah. So that's my, that's my rant. I'll, I'll, I'll tell anybody who wants to hear it. I don't expect anything to change. I know like millions and millions of people listen to this race review. Um, my decimals might be slightly wrong, but that's okay. So that's my pro yeah, women I mean, rant. I mean, the only thing, you know, yeah. Okay. You make them, what you'd have to hope for is, okay, we're going to make a sport women's class per se and give, give them that Avenue. And then you hope that that grows the sport because you know, your hope would be is okay. Well, Maybe it, it just being two classes is scaring girls away from trying the sport because if they want to try the sport and they're 14 or older, they have to race pro. Well, now they have, now they can try the sport and not have to do that. So maybe it, it allows that funnel of, of feeders to, to grow because now more girls want to try the sport because it's easier to try the sport. You're not just jumping into the deep end day one. So, but you know, that's a, you know, it's a year or two project minimum because you have to get the word out. You have to, you know, those girls have to see it. They want to have to go buy a sled, you know, so it's not just this like light switch where, okay, well, we'll make a sport class. And then, you know, that will fill up with all these new girls. And then some of these girls that might not be ready, quote unquote, for the pro class, you know, it's, it's at this point, it's wishful thinking. You know, it's it, it, it would take a, a real coordinated plan to to make it happen. But I, I do. I understand what you mean. We'll work on it, Bruce. We'll get it figured out. We'll get uh, we'll get more non endemic sponsors. We'll get uh, Yamaha back in. We'll get a sport women's class. I think you just between you and I, we can get all this stuff dialed in about a week. So it should be fine. <clears throat> I got a bunch of sleds to decal in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I I hear you. For those for those not in the know, uh, Bruce is running basically a factory Polaris uh, operation in Sweden right now, out of his rental house and his uh, friends' trailers. So it's uh, it's a good looking program right now. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 something. It's something. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, it, hopefully it, it turns into some results in a couple of weeks at the first race. But I'm a long ways from that right now. That's for sure. We'll get there. We'll get there. So moving into uh moving into pro light for, for Saturday. I think this again, we, we talk about it incessantly, but this is another great example of just how diverse we're going to, we're going to see the racing and what top guys are going to be where. So um, yeah, Creighton Dillon gets a win, not super uh, shocking in a heat race, but Nick Lorenz up there again uh, in a heat race, Kenny Mandrake going one, one in his heats, super, super impressive. And then we talked about already Dylan Rose out there with a, with a whole shot in one of his heat races, he ends up going to the LCQ, but he wins the LCQ. So at least, you know, even from a heat race standpoint, pro light, just all over the place, all over the place. Yeah, no, I mean, it was another, it was another crapshoot. It was, you know, obviously we've talked about it. Dylan's in a league of his own currently, but 
two through two to the rest through the rest of the field is anybody's game. Um, you know, and you know, I, I brought it up earlier. I guess I'll I'll do it again. A lot of yellow. You know, uh, top seven in pro light Friday Saturday night were yellow skidoos. For those who don't you know what a yellow sled is, um, you know, he had uh, Oscar England from the uh, uh, Nate Tatro's crew and uh, and Trent Whitwer, the only two you know two cats breaking it up in eighth and ninth. Um, it's and that was with two fast skidoos crashing with Emrick and uh, Ashline. So mm-hmm. it is. It's. Um, you know, it was nice to see, you know nice to see Posty get on the box. Nice to see, great to see Lorenz get on the box. I mean, the, he's had so many you know great seasons that you know ended with injury or started with injury. It's awesome to see him have the pace on the on on that on that ski do and be be looking good. So it, it's really nice to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, just that that whole field is just you know it's just like throw a dart at the board and okay, that guy's going to finish on the podium tonight. Like it's, it's awesome. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah. For a while. I mean, we saw Anson shield out there with a, with a really good start. And for a while, I kind of had it just in my own head, like Anson's gonna, he's going to get a podium. That's, this is where it's going to come. And then over like the last couple laps, seemingly out of nowhere, Nick Lorenz just like appears in the top corner and you're like, where the hell did he come from? And then ultimately he's, on rails and passing posty on the face of the finish line to get that uh to get that second so um yeah i mean creighton dylan just running away with it once again showing why he's the top of this class but um lorenz just great run on saturday and then posty definitely has the speed there's no no doubt about it so it's just watching as he kind of gets his feet wet a little bit more and once he really starts to starts to take off in this class yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I talked about it um, during the Ironwood recap. You know, that team is really good at um, developing riders and developing Scandinavian riders. So, um, you know, Posty, he had a good night going for him Friday. Obviously, it didn't end that way, but he bounced right back and he was on the, he got on the box uh, Saturday night. But yeah, Lorenz, he did. He came out of nowhere. No, and it's not like we could look at the timing and scoring to see him coming up through the field. Um, you know, that just wasn't a thing. You know, I felt really bad for for the guys in the announcing booth when they had no idea what to say when he was passing. Yeah, uh, Shield and, and Posty on the last lap, they didn't know what was happening, and then, I mean, most of us didn't. So, uh, but no fantastic ride for him and super super happy for him and that west coast customs skew team that was a really good ride for him really well deserved yeah that's uh you know it might go might go unnoticed but that west coast customs team is is quietly like a bit of a super team right now like between between nelson and then uh tasha lang and then also now nick loran's kind of get hitting his stride like they're making they're, they're making some noise right now. It's it's pretty interesting to watch for sure. Yeah, no, whatever they're doing is working really well. And now they've got they've got basically all of their guys doing up front, up near the front at least. So mm-hmm. it is. It's going to be going to be fun to watch. You know, I guess you know the big question is going to be like I said earlier is you know is is any of these two, three, four of these guys that are running two through fifteenth going to be able to separate themselves from the rest of the field and you know, either make a run at Dylan or just kind of become that second tier of riders that are consistently on the box, or is it just going to be a, a crapshoot every weekend? Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch on that front. As a fan, I want it to be a crapshoot, but as a as a rider, it's got to be it's got to be wild lining up at least for pro light, and you know, riders always think this way. They're always going to think they're faster. They're the fastest guy out there, but it's got to be weird, like lining up and looking to your left and being like, well, that guy has a sport championship. That guy has a sport championship. And like, just knowing that it's really all in that start, it's got to be wild. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a stacked field and it is, it, it, it showed, it showed all weekend long that it's, you know, it's anybody's game. 
you know, so it, it is, it's great to see, you know, you've got, you know, Ashline has a bunch of East coast championships, you know, Posty's got championships from overseas. Uh, England's had great runs overseas. And then, you know, Dylan coming out of Canada, you know, it is, it's, it's a, uh, Emmerich coming out of Quebec. It is, it's a stacked field and you got to bring it up too. I mean, you know, we talk about the West coast, uh, customs team theme. I mean, you know, you know, they, they, they lose, uh, um, Elias and they've still got a, a great one, two punch between Dylan and now Peltier's on a tear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, I was really curious about that team. Like I, you know, you knew they were going to have talent stuff like that, but I, I didn't expect it to be this high level. Like I just b- between Peltier and and Creighton Dillon, I was like, those guys are going to have podium guys. I didn't think they were going to have like just top level like championship. Like they, it, you know, they're probably going to get a pro light championship. Knock on wood if if nothing happens. But you know, a couple a couple mishaps by issue, and they could end up with a pro championship as well. So that's uh, it's pretty wild. So. Um, well, let's, let's use that as a segue and let's move into the, into the pro class for Saturday, which, so kind of some headlines going into at least the first round. So Cody cam had injured, uh, his foot or his ankle in, in Friday night. So he was just going to be doing starts, which was unfortunate because he was, he was out there with a win on uh, Friday night. So it's kind of unfortunate to see him out. And then, uh, Hunter with, uh, with his crash, he he was still quote unquote racing, but he was definitely still pretty sore and dinged up. So he was going to be just kind of doing laps out there trying to get some points. So at least for that, uh, that first round, Adam Peterson and Riley Bester just rip really, really good, uh, good starts right off the bat. So it was really cool to see the two, uh, team Lavalle Polaris is up front, at least for that first round. Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, didn't, didn't see much out of either of them in Ironwood. So it was really nice to see them get a good start, be out front for a bit, run up front. I mean, like I said, Peterson was up there the whole time. Riley faded a little bit, but no, it was really good to see them out there. You know, uh, I know Levi's working hard to make sure those guys have everything they need to, to compete and, and run for podiums because they, they are, they're, they're both really quick guys. Definitely saw uh, Jacob Yerk was running well out there for a while. Interesting, uh, interesting story. Dan Benham was number one qualifier going into that, which was pretty sick. That was pretty cool to see. Pretty interesting to see. Everybody knows Dan Benham's fast. He can, he can, he can rip out a lap as fast as anybody. So that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, in the final, just Adam Peterson really, you kind of thought he was going to, you thought he was going to get it. He was leading for most of that race. And then, Elias kind of passes him in the corner and they kind of just kind of go head to head for a little while. And then that last, that corner, that, uh, that horseshoe right after the finish line, Adam had a chance to get into Elias. He had a chance to get on the inside and get into him. And he didn't just, you know, keeping it clean, I guess you could say probably should have been a little more aggressive there, but ultimately that leads to uh to Elias getting the the win in that round but even at the finish line you could see Adam shaking his head like he knew he knew he had it and he knew he kind of let one slip away which was unfortunate yeah yeah for sure you know hopefully you know hopefully when the role is reversed later in the year <clears throat> Elias gives him that that little bit of courtesy <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, another headline in that race that we didn't touch on, but just right off the finish line at the start. So uh, Jordan LaBelle basically lands on the the tunnel of Francis Peltier, and those two both go down, which, you know, we talked about Francis Peltier. He's been super fast this weekend, but that's kind of leads to him not being much of a factor in that race, which is him going down right off the bat. So um, definitely took a couple contenders out, even in the first lap. But yeah, that uh, that first round was still super entertaining in my mind. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, let's see. Round two, uh, Elias, you know, again gets out to a to a really good, really good hole shot. But Ogamar is right there as well. We touched on him a little bit earlier, having some speed here at Canterbury. So Ogamar was out there for a while, running the pace, and you could see Emil Har was really starting to 
starting to find his stride uh, midway through the race, ends up passing Ogamar and basically gaining on Elias the entire race. So at least in my mind, Elias is always fast, but it was clear that Imilhar was definitely uh, definitely making some gains in this round, and he was going to potentially be a problem, at least for the for the overall. Yeah, you know, it was nice. You know, Har had a, a bit of a tough night on Friday, so it was nice to see him up there and him having that kind of speed coming up through the field like that. It was going because he had he had gotten out mid pack. I think he was fifth or sixth probably after the first lap. So <clears throat> making moves to get up there and then reeling in Elias second half of the race. It was, it was, uh, it was really good to see, you know, they were calling him the king of the triple crowns and all of this and that. And it, he looked really good come mm-hmm. Saturday night. He, he looked, he looked the part. So for sure, it was really good to see. And it was nice to see Ogmar get another good run in there. Peterson with another top five. Peltier bouncing back of the podium. It was, it was, it was another, another really good race for all those guys. So I think a lot of this set the stage for by far the most wild and entertaining race of the weekend, which was the, uh, was the final, the third round of the triple crown for Saturday in the pro class. So right off the start, uh, Jordan LaBelle gets a really, really good start. Elias Ischul's right there and you get a really just kind of like a old guard, new guard battle between Jordan LaBelle and Elias Ischul and LaBelle not scared not scared at all like no courtesy just stuffing him in the corner and it was it was really cool to watch at least for those first couple laps before uh Elias had his issues mm. yeah I'll be interested to see you know if we hear anything as, as to you know why that failure occurred if it was contact with another rider if it was something you know if it was just the rough track I'm interested to know what what caused that problem because you know, obviously from that point on, he was just in total damage control. So. Yeah. And it was, you know, those first couple laps, you could see his ski up. He just, I couldn't tell if it was just like a, like a bumper or whatever the story was going to be until they called out on the announcers that it was the spindle. And then you were looking at it and you're like, oh my God, that is so bent. That is gnarly. And I mean, I don't know if it's like a, I don't know if it's a hats off to issue or a what are you doing to issue but the fact that he continued on in the race and did the like i was genuinely waiting for an a-arm or a spindle to break and he was gonna wad himself i was just waiting for it yeah it just turned itself into an anchor and just and just pile drive him into the ground yep yeah yep. i was totally thinking the same thing <laughs> like what are you doing yeah i mean that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if I give him props for, for going or if I say, what are you doing for keeping going? But, uh, I mean, yeah, he did end up finishing off the race, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan LaBelle just kind of takes off and, and really shows us what he can do in the pro class, given the right circumstances. And I think we've all seen this coming. So that was super cool. But, uh, Peltier again, just showing his speed as well. And then, uh, Emil Har, um, finishing off in, in third in that and you could even see on the finish line when uh har went over he knew exactly where he was in the overall like he he you know throwing his fist and everything like he knew exactly where he was where he needed to finish for at least the overall so that was that was pretty interesting yeah for sure and I, um you know it's <clears throat> super pumped for har obviously you know and um all the fans got their their free shop right shop uh shop rags. So I'm sure they're all pumped for hard too. Um, but you know, 10 points is what he had after the three rounds, 10 points got him the overall. It's just, you know, like I said it about Friday night and Saturday night was the same. It was just like crazy how inconsistent, just how mashed up the, the results were literally every time to where 10 points gets you the win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if let's say hypothetically speaking, you know, Ishua doesn't have his his issues with his A arm and he's able to pass LaBelle and, you know, bench racing, obviously. But if <laughs> Ishua ends up going like, you know, 1 1 1 and then Har finishes second with 10 or 11 points, it's a pretty substantial spread. So it's, right. 
yeah, it was, I mean, you touched on it earlier and it's just the inconsistency over the weekend, like at least in the, in the triple crown format that there was a lot of guys that you would have been shocked if they finished second. You would have been shocked if they finished 10th. It was just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was, you know, it was, it was cool to see Bester get his first top five mm-hmm. in that third, in the, in the third round of the triple crown. You know, that was a, that was a well-deserved drive. Salston finished in fifth right behind him. Very cool. He had a very up and down weekend. So to end, end the weekend on a high note with the fifth was really good. Um, it was, it was, you know, I, I guess that's one of the things that makes the triple crown really exciting is that, you know, having to, you know, it's just not whoever wins the race wins the night, you know, you really got to put together three, I mean, going by 10 points to win the overall three, at least. Okay. Finishes <laughs> to, 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 to get the overall, but no, it, um, you know, it just, I think that's one of the more exciting things about it is, is these, you know, these guys are going out there and it's not, taking it easy for a qualifier or just kind of getting through a race. It's they got to go out there and put in three hard ones. It's um, it doesn't, I think that's one of the things that makes it that much more exciting than just a regular two heats in a final, in my opinion. I would agree. I would agree. So yeah, looking at the overall finish, at least for Saturday. So Emil Hart gets the overall Francis Peltier in second. Elias Ischel still manages to get on the podium from his two, from his two wins. Uh, even with the the carnage in the last one, which was super weird, but uh, Jordan LaBelle fourth overall on the Triple Crown, which is again largely driven by his uh, his results in that last race and just how wonky everything was. But really cool to see him up there. We just we know what he's capable of. He's just got to get his feet wet and, and ride smart. So, but um, yeah, I mean the uh, the Triple Crown really lives up to to what it could live up to in my mind. I just, I love seeing the the spread and the diversity in some of these rounds and it's, it's really interesting. And I think it, maybe if you're a racer, it's a pain in the ass, but it kind of throws a wrench in some of your plans uh, sometimes just cause you got to have those consistent finishes. So, but uh, yeah, any other comments on pro for Saturday? No, just, I mean, just looking forward to seeing what, you know, the triple crown format in Deadwood, I feel like it's going to be like, you know, it was, you know, when you look at the results we talked about for Canterbury and how, you know, 10 points got you an overall win, Elias with 15 points still got a, uh, or 14 points still got a podium. Deadwood is always known for chaos. So like, like what is, what is the triple crown going to look like when we go to Deadwood? I think it's just going to be nuts. Um, but also concerned about, you know, Pat noting Cam, you know, how, how injured are they, you know, these, you know, two weeks to heal up. Is it enough time? <clears throat> it was nice to see they both had really good pace early in the day, Friday. Um, so just kind of hoping that they can bounce back and, and be healthy enough to keep, keep going because they are two guys that can be on the box. Um, but yeah, no, just, uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was two great days of racing. That's for sure. Yeah, and and kind of as we as we talked about, it's kind of similar to to Ironwood in that you look at the box score, and with the Triple Crown, there's just obviously so much variety. But the the overall finishes don't necessarily tell the whole story with some of these guys. You know, they'll they'll have had one round where they were blazing fast, and you know they can compete, and then they'll have the next one where they just they have a wreck or they have some kind of issue. So you look at some of these guys that are buried deeper in the, in the field on Saturday. I mean, on, uh, at least on Saturday, Oscar Norum P 12, he was on the box on Friday. So like, it's just, it's, it's all over the place. Jacob Yurk was P four in Ironwood. And then on Saturday he's P 10. Like it's again, it just doesn't tell the whole story. Like you give props to the guys that had the consistency and were able to put it together for a podium finish, but, anybody outside that it's like you could easily point to one reason why they are where they are and one other reason why they could just as easily have been on the podium if something hadn't happened so yeah i'm looking forward to uh to deadwood and deadwood's going to be just as bad because it'll be just as much carnage and just as much unique scenarios but i'm looking forward to kind of seeing who can uh, who can separate themselves and maybe who can become like 
the average top five or the average top 10 guys. We had a really good variety of riders in the top five um, this weekend. So it was, you know, that made, made for a lot of exciting racing. And I really hope we see more of that. And yeah, the, the chaos at Deadwood is going to be problematic. I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Big time, big time. Um, let's see a couple, couple additional call outs here just as the, the weekend as a whole, Again, Corin Todd looking good in uh, in the pro am class. Just just really entertaining to see. I, we joked about it before, but uh, Corin was out there in the pro light class this weekend at uh, Canterbury, and I was telling my wife that guy right there won this championship ten years ago. Like he he's a he was the pro light champion in two thousand fourteen, <laughs> and he's out there making it happen. Corin Todd, love to see it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I so, know. It was really cool to see him have a good good weekend out there and and be able to beat leaders on Saturday in Pro Thirty. That was that was really exciting for me. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it's not a category for us, but that that plus thirty class. I mean, there's like twenty guys out there. That is a that is a pretty pretty deep class right now. I mean, yeah, there's the there's the top three guys, top three or four that you know are probably going to win. But in terms of just bodies on the track, it's a pretty stacked field. Yeah, it was it was really fun to see. I got a shout out, shout out to the Icelandic guy uh, Sigurdsson for uh, being able to to beat Kurt Bowerly and get on the podium. That was, you know, Kurt's a really fast guy. So mm-hmm. for Sigurdsson to come over from Iceland and be able to put together a a good day and a good final and beat him was was awesome. So congrats to him. Yeah, we touched on it uh, before we started recording, but he was out there in uh, in pro light too. Like he was leading for a little while out there, and I was like, "Who in the world is this guy with a white background? I don't know who he is. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but he's fast." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. There's there's fast guys everywhere. He's got to find them. There is one super fast guy in pro am plus thirties, number one ninety nine on a skidoo. I'm not super familiar with him. Maybe he runs a snowmobile. Uh, media network or something like that. I'm not really sure, but uh, I think he's got a factory ride for John Deere or Scorpion, doesn't he? Is that what it is? Okay. I thought so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'll, we'll have to look at it. If anybody knows who this 199 Skidoo guy is, let us know. We're very unfamiliar with him. He doesn't post anything on social media. Nothing like that. Unfamiliar with him. So. No, uh, and then I gotta I gotta give a shout out to um, one of my riders, Gustav Salston. Or no, so, no, wrong, Gustav. There's so many Gustafs over here and you come to Sweden, there's a lot of Gustafs and they're all fast. They're all fast. <laughs> it's bad. No, Gustav Vesterland is, uh, he's racing pro pro light for me over here this winter. Uh, he's just moved out of the junior classes, just turned 16. He raced, uh, the junior class and sport light at Canterbury and got fourth in both finals on Friday. So I gotta give a shout out to him for flying over there and doing a great job. So you got to pick somebody over the weekend, uh, Bruce, but, uh, who's your Woody stud of the weekend? I got to give it to Peltier. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the consistency and just that, that drive and aggression just haven't seen that out of him. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like we saw a lot of that out of him last year and, you know, for him to, you know, he just, like he showed up with a chip on his shoulder like baker mayfield or something like he was just he was ready to fight and he did it all weekend so i i gotta give it to him it was it was an awesome ride by him all weekend long you know and a, and a pair of podiums to back it up i would agree he was uh i i definitely could have gone with him as as well i definitely think he had a lot of speed and he really surprised me for sure for me my uh my woody set of the weekend i'm going with nick lorenz just uh getting up on the box and showing a lot of speed even in his heat races and i think just the the storyline surrounding the nick lorenz is he's just been a top potentially top guy for a long long time just never truly been able to put it together for a full season just due to injuries so you know new year new team new brand new number new nick lorenz so yeah new everything my, yep that is my that is my start of the week is Nick Lorenz. So that's a solid choice. I mean, he did he he put in a great weekend and he uh, 
you know, if he stays healthy, he will be a podium contender all year long for sure. No doubt. No doubt. So we got Deadwood coming up in a couple weeks. What's, uh, what's our schedule look like, Bruce? I know there's a slew of Scandinavian races we have to cover and I don't even know what they are yet. Well, thank, thank God I've got like 12 more days until the first one because (laughs) I've got a shitload of stuff to do. I should say we, because I'm not the only one involved. We have a shitload of stuff to do. (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah, no, um, we, uh, the, the first two rounds of the Swedish championship is the same weekend as Deadwood. So Deadwood goes Friday, Saturday, the Swedish championship in Orsa, Sweden goes Saturday, Sunday. So, um, that'll be the, that'll be our kickoff to the, to racing over here in Scandinavia. God, I feel bad for anybody who does a review podcast and has to watch all of that racing. I feel really bad for that guy. Yeah, it must suck. It must just be a, a horrible job. You know, I had, I had three screens going yesterday. I had football on. I had I had um, Supercross going, and I had Snowcross going. And it's the the time difference is a real killer. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is for sure. No, I- you know the old. I, you know, the, I think the Dolphins Chiefs game started at two thirty my time. I think Supercross started around the same time. Snowcross was still going on. It was. It was. It was a late, late night, early morning, one or the other. Uh, one other shout out we should probably give is that. Uh, I mean, I don't have any stats on it. We're not doing a full recap, but Northeast Snowcross had their season opener um, last weekend, which was was great obviously for both of us we doesn't matter the turnout doesn't matter i don't care i just love to see any kind of sanctioned snowmobile racing in new england so big shout out to those guys i mean i know bruce you had a ton of riders racing there so but uh big shout out to that that crew and putting that race on because when there's no snow anywhere in the world except for in scandinavia it's great <laughs> to see a, a it's great to see a snowmobile race in new hampshire so loved it yeah, no, it was nice to see Corin Todd get the pro win, and then uh, our other one of our other riders, Ryan Dupont, got a got a pro light win, which was really cool. So he's he's been with us for a long time. So it was it was it was good to see. It was it was good to get good for them to get one race under their belt out there for sure. You know, COVID did a real number on snowcross racing in New England. So it's nice to see them putting in a lot of hard work and effort to bring it back, and nice to see them get a get a race weekend under their belt and. Everybody seemed to be really happy with how everything went. So no props to them for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right, let's wrap it up. Bruce, you got any, any final comments before we end it? I think that's about it. Just, you know, say a prayer for, for me and my team getting all this (laughs) stuff done in the next 12 days to go racing. It's a tall task, but we're excited. (laughs) I'm excited. So it uh, should be a should be a fun winter and appreciate you having me back as always i like being here for sure for sure thanks everybody we'll see you after deadwood